let's get started, okay? Um, so briefly, um, I am Dr. John Duffy. I'm a clinical psychologist and a therapist here in the Chicago area. I've been doing these Instagram Lives at eight o'clock central time exactly every single Thursday for several weeks until this week, at which point I am starting at precisely 8.16. So um, thank, thank you for those of you who are joining us. I appreciate it and thank you for putting up with our technical difficulties. And let's face it, it was kind of fun, wasn't it? Wasn't it a little <laughs> bit exciting to see, you know, the zaniness that was happening here? Okay, um, I want to start by just addressing um, a, an issue that has been gnawing at me here. Um, so the reason I decided to do these things, to sit here and do these Instagram Lives, was I am seeing these shifting patterns in families week to week to week to week. And what I'm seeing lately is a pretty pronounced deterioration of well-being in families. I am seeing, just to be specific, and I may have mentioned this last week, but it's even more the case this week, um, more calls to DCFS than I have ever seen per diem in my life period. Um, domestic violence issues, uh, interpersonal issues, uh, psychiatric hospitalizations of parents and kids, especially kids. Um, so this is a watershed moment for emotional wellness. We've never been here before. So what I'm about to talk about is nobody's fault. We all are landed in the very same situation. We're all suddenly on Mars. Um, but we have certain things that we have got to attend to. So I know that you have a lot on your plate. I know that if you are joining me now, you are busy with work or trying to find work. You have kids that you are trying to take care of and make sure they make it through the rest of the school year. They have something to do all day. You're making sure there's food on the table, that the house is clean and livable. There's all sorts of things that are your responsibility. I'm going to add something. Um, you are in charge of the emotional wellness in your home. This is your job. You are the emotional regulator. You're the one who sets the tone. And I am running into these really, really profound familial issues. And we're not at the end of this thing, right? We're, so the stress is getting to us. There's no doubt about it. The uncertainty is getting to us. All these things we've been talking about week after week after week, not knowing all the losses our kids are going through. I won't reiterate that. You can listen to last week's where I went in detail about what our kids are losing, what we're losing out on. But all this stuff is starting to really get under our skin and we are not managing it very well, I'm finding. So what do we need to do? in order to make sure that our kids are as emotionally healthy as they can be and that we are as emotionally healthy as we can be. You've got to protect some time for yourself. You've got to make sure you understand where you are emotionally. I am finding that I am talking to a lot of parents and they have to talk it through before they have any remote idea what it is that they are suffering, what kind of stress and strain that they are under. So what I'm learning is we all need to do that. We probably need to do it every day or every other day to talk it through, cry it out, yell it out, emote 
and talk to somebody about how we feel. And if you don't have somebody close to you, find somebody in my profession, but make sure that you take care of yourself emotionally. Otherwise, you don't have a chance of leading your household emotionally. And you can do this, but it's gonna take a little time and little effort. And I just wanna stem the tide of what I'm seeing lately. So please, heed that call. Um, it's important. So, um, are we good getting the questions, Julie? Yeah. Let's get some questions. Julie's here, you guys. <laughs> hey. um, I got a question for tonight, says my, my friendly writer. I would like to know if there are other parents who feel torn between two competing impulses right now. If there was ever a time for a kid to feel bad and sad and depressed, this is it. So it seems to me right to acknowledge that and understand that in my relationship with my 19-year-old child. But I also believe that crises are an opportunity to demonstrate character and resilience and adaptability. And part of my responsibility as a parent is to model those traits and to encourage those traits. So how to nudge my child toward grit without stepping all over his or her rights to feel deeply sad about all that's been lost and may be lost in the months ahead, or am I just being a tiger dad? No, I don't think you're being a tiger dad. I think you're asking a really, really, really vital question. And it's probably a question that's on a lot of people's minds right now. So let's hash this out for a minute. Um, first of all, just in managing this time, in getting through this time, you're, you've got a 19-year-old son or daughter, right? So I am assuming they are either in college or in some situation like that, and they are home, right? Their life has taken a wildly unexpected turn here, like everybody's life. So I get that you are acknowledging his or her difficulty that they are suffering. I appreciate that. Um, but it's big too. So when you talk about grit and you talk about resilience and you talk about, you know, you wanna see some of that tenacity and that, you know, stiff upper lip, grin and bear it kind of thing, you're seeing that. Just the fact that your child is there at home and day to day managing the emotions of what they're going through, if you're getting some moping going around in that house, man, you've got to expect that. Everybody who's listening has got to expect that even their very mature, very resilient, very intelligent teenagers, especially if they've been off to college, are going to be unhappy during a lot of this time. The other thing I want to be really clear about is your kid probably has a lot more grit and resilience than he or she is showing you. What kids do is they go out in the world when they can go out in the world and that's where they show it most. So if you could see videotape of your child three months ago at school managing all the relationships there, managing relationships with professors and TAs and difficult roommates and all that stuff. Um, you might see a different person than the regressive kid you're seeing who's home from college and pissed off and unhappy with his or her circumstances and not maybe particularly crazy about being home with mom and or dad, right? So um, it is okay that they show something less than great grit and resilience. To another one of your points though, modeling it is crucial. A lot of parents have asked me this question when in fact they're the ones oftentimes who are whining and short-tempered and not showing a whole lot of grit and resilience 
and yet expecting this of their kids. The kids are going to follow your model. I've said this time and time again. I'll say it a thousand more times because it's absolutely true. They will follow your model more than they're going to follow your words. So stick to modeling it and keep in mind your kid's in this for the long haul and he or she is keenly aware of this. So my honest thought is cut them a little bit of slack. You know, I wouldn't do a whole lot of lecturing. Um, let them be crabby sometimes. And you know what you might do is share your crabbiness with him or her. And if they know, hey, we're kind of on the same page. I'm really disappointed too. This is super hard for me. What's it like for you? See if you can't draw him out a little bit and or her and see what they give you. And, um, and it might be that you create this little bit of camaraderie that draws some grit and resilience. But keep in mind, they might not show you everything they've got. And that's okay. Thank you for the question. I, I, I love that question. And I think it's really difficult to parent a teenager who's going through these circumstances. So thank you. Um, Julie, how are we doing? Good. I was thinking, do you want to read with that? Don't you have a quote from someone just that age? I don't know if you want to read that now. Ooh. It's kind of relevant. <laughs> See, Julie is such a good de facto uh, producer here. Um, so I asked a few kids in the past couple of weeks, hey, um, I'm talking to a lot of parents here on Instagram Live. Is there anything you want me to relate to them? And so um, a 19-year-old home from school, coincidence? Maybe, maybe not, um, said the following. Uh, I am 19 years old and home from school. I love you, mom or dad, but being with you is hard for me. I want things to be normal. I want to be with my friends. Honestly, I want you off my ass. You keep asking if there's anything you can do to help. There isn't. I'll let you know, but most of the time, I really want you to leave me alone. That's an honest answer from a 19-year-old. And that might inform um, you who wrote earlier that, you know, like, that might be how your child feels. That's how a lot of kids who are home from college feel. This is inorganic to them. This is not what he or she expected. So thank you to both of you. Um, and if that's parent and child, crazy, right? Okay. How are we doing, producer? <laughs> good. We're good. When will I ever see you without a vest? It's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's a ridiculous question. I won't answer it. Um, hey, Dr. Duffy, I've been losing it on my kids lately over little things. A dirty room, too much screen time, too little homework. And I know I'm stressed with us being together in a small space. Am I justified here or do I need to keep my cool? Am I doing any irreparable damage? Um, listen, I don't expect any one of you to keep your cool on a consistent basis. If you lose it once or twice a day or three times, mm, three might be a lot. If you lose it a couple times a day, you're probably okay. What you wanna do is again, set the emotional tone. I'm gonna to say this a lot tonight because this is really on my mind in the last week or two. So if you're losing it over little things, let your kids know, you know what? I'm struggling right now. I'm having a hard time with all this just like you are and I'm probably gonna lose it sometimes over little things. So I'll probably ask for your forgiveness on the back end, but sometimes, just go along with me. So if I'm asking you to just do the dishes, clean your room, you know what? 
do a solid for me and just go ahead and do it. And do that when, when everything is calm. When, when you're not in a debate with them, you're not in an argument with them, just tell them, you know what, work with me and I will work with you when you lose it. And kids love stuff like this. They rise to this occasion because this allows them to practice that competence and resilience that's really, really important as part of their development. And as a side note, I was talking to somebody last night about developmental milestones and what's happening for kids right now. And a lot of your kids who are usually in, not just in this cadence and this rhythm of being in school, but they're also developing. They're, they're dealing with relationships, not with just peers, not with just friends, but with teachers and with other adults and with adults that they get along with beautifully who raise their self-esteem and adults who they struggle with that they have to kind of navigate through their, their relationship with. Um, so keep in mind, your child's missing all of this stuff. So some of this stuff and that frustration affiliated with not having exposure to it is going to come out on you. And that's going to have to be okay. You're going to have to be able to work with that, okay? Um, so losing it is okay sometimes, but it also has to run both ways. You have to be okay with your kid losing it as well. That's only fair, and it's going to happen both ways. I expect it to happen both ways. I've said before, and I'll say again, protect plenty of time to be apart at home. You do not have to spend every waking moment together. There are no Brady Bunch moments happening here, and if they do, they're fleeting. Take them, great, but they're not mandatory. Okay. Oh, let's see. I'm having a very odd time. I'm truly grateful for every moment with my family, but I can also see a picture of one of my kids in a team uniform or think about what we're all missing, or even sometimes just out of the blue, I fall apart. I don't know if I'm depressed or traumatized or just emotional because of the circumstances. Appreciate your thoughts. Um, raise your hand if you have not felt this. Yeah, I didn't think so. We've all been here, right? Um, this is a very odd time. We're all experiencing some of this and the losses, those things our children are going through that we're missing too, it's affecting us. And it is kind of collectively as time goes on and the losses build up and the missing moments build up, we're gonna have moments, you know? I will admit that I don't usually cry during the American Idol auditions. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, somehow they seem to be getting to me lately, you know? Um, I and, and this is the God's honest truth. I can usually be very, very objective when I am the therapist in the room. That's part of my job. But there are times in the past month or so where I find myself sharing emotion with my clients. Um, so I think we are all idling on high emotionally, right? We are all starting from a point of emotionality from the moment we lift our heads off the pillow in the morning. So we are allowed to be emotional during this time. It's probably important that we're emotional during this time. We're giving our kids permission. And I like to think that if there is some good to come out of this during this time, this is part of it. That in our families, we are showing our kids some social and emotional skills, including just expressing ourselves that we wouldn't ordinarily do. And I work with a lot of families 
where uh, the biggest issue they have is the lack of ability to talk emotionally with one another. So there's an opportunity here to, when you feel it, to talk to your kids about why you're having a hard time and be explicit about it and be clear about it and ask them if this is happening to them and let the line out a little bit. Let them talk about it for a few minutes and you will connect in a different way. So I'm always looking for the silver linings during a tragedy like this and that's one of the silver linings that I'm finding in families that um, in particular are distant from one another. I'm thinking about a couple of families in particular. One young man who is college age as well told me he didn't know, and he meant this, he didn't know his parents were emotional. He didn't know they would ever get upset about something like this, that, they, that him losing his job was going to be upsetting to them, that they would be emotional about it. But he really appreciated it and felt like, wow, they really care in a way I did not get before. So um, silver linings, man, let's, let's take them where they are. They're, they're kind of few and far between. Um, okay, moving on. My 16-year-old son and his dad argue constantly about screen time, homework, politics, virtually anything. This was going on long before the quarantine, but it's every day now. The other day, my son got face-to-face -face with his dad, and I thought they would become violent. I have two younger children, and I fear they will act the same way or be traumatized by this. How do I break this escalating pattern, especially now? Um, okay, so part of this, I hope dad is watching, and I hope as many parents as possible are hearing what I'm about to say. Uh, we, again, are the ones setting the emotional tone, right? So our kids are going to be emotional, for sure, understandably, but we cannot meet them necessarily where they are in the moment. We have to be way more in check because this idea of teenagers and parents being face-to-face -face and violence about to ensue, this has happened to families that I am familiar with many, many times in the past several weeks. And we're not at the end of this game. We're in the fourth inning at best, I think. So keep in mind, we're talking about an escalating situation. So we need to nip this in the bud. So if you find that you are angry with your children um, in a way that is not reasonable, that is probably something you are carrying that has nothing to do with the politics or the dishes not getting done or the unmade bed. So you've got to get your emotional crap in check. And pardon the language, but you know, I mean that really, really sincerely. It's vital and it's about safety and health and it's really, really crucial and important. So um, I don't want you to blow that off. Um, that said, if you are engaging with your kid in healthy debate, about politics, about whether they should have chores in the household. I'm all for this kind of talk. I love the debate between parents and kids, and this can be really fun and really playful, provided mom or dad's emotions are well in check. If they are not, things can escalate to a point that is unhealthy. But I am finding that families are having some really great moments, healthy debates, fun debates, even about like, when do we get started again? Um, I'm working with one family in particular, uh, talking about the dilemmas about how we get back into society. 
Is the economy more important than lives lost? And um, these are heavy issues, but I'm finding that pretty young kids have opinions on some of these things and want to share them and want to talk with their families about them. So I'm working with families who are sitting at the dinner table and this is the kind of thing they're talking about. And I think that's really cool. I think it's really healthy. I encourage that. If you feel like things are escalating and you're getting angry beyond reason, you have to find your compass of reason. You're the adult. It is incumbent upon you. It is super, super important. Okay. How are we doing, Jules? Good. We're doing good? Good. You guys doing good? Okay. Um, let's see. My 16-year-old daughter is a bully to her younger sister who is 14. Usually, our youngest can handle it just fine, but during the quarantine, it's becoming too much. How do we stop this behavior? Um, this is happening in a lot of households, too. Um, we have not talked here much about sibling relationships and how to manage those. But keep in mind that your kids, even if you have several of them, even if your dream is that they get together beautifully and they get along perfectly forever and that the quarantine should be a time for building rapport, you're gonna, you've got to expect that there is going to be some conflict. If there is a pattern of bullying between siblings, you're going to have to address that. And spoiler, in an awful lot of families where there are two or more kids, there is probably some element of bullying. That's not always the worst thing. That sometimes can build some resilience in the younger child. And sometimes they get to the point where they're not going to take it anymore and they're going to snap back and have something really potent to say. So you can sometimes let the, the jungle of sibship take care of itself. But this feels like a situation where it requires some intervention. Um, now, we can talk about consequences and punishments and taking the phone away and taking the door off the hinges. Um, this is never, including in quarantine, my favorite way to go. Um, I would far prefer sitting your older sibling down and finding that note of empathy, especially during a quarantine. What do you think it's like to be your sister? What do you think it's like when you say that to her? This might seem trite and absurd, but I play this out in my office with siblings present all the time. And kids are really good at working this through, even working it through together. So if you take it seriously and you make it a discussion that's outside of the immediate bullying situation, then you can actually get somewhere and make a dent in that. And be really clear with your bullying child that, hey, you know, don't put me in the position of taking things away from you. I don't want to do that. I want you and your sister or you and your brother to get along well. I don't expect that to be perpetual and constant, especially during a quarantine, but I'm not going to tolerate bullying. That's not going to work out. The other thing is to ask your bullying child what life is like for them. Kids don't do this for no reason. Um, you don't have a good kid and a bad kid. Your bullying child is going through something as well. So you need to let that child vent everything that's going on with them during this time because what you're seeing is probably a reflection of some of the pain that they're going through, right? And they're just venting that out through this bullying behavior that probably is maladaptive in the long run and not going to work for them. All right. Thank you for that question. Um, okay. Uh, 
this is this is a this is a long one, but I'm 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 gonna talk about it. Um, and I don't think we've we've touched on this yet. Hi, I met you a couple years ago at the Zen Parenting Conference. That's one of the coolest events of any given year, and I hope we have it next year um, here in Chicago. I love your you Chicago people. Anyway, I'm writing from Massachusetts, and I hope you could help me with some of your wisdom and knowledge. I swear to you, I'm reading this verbatim. Um, I live with my husband and two amazing daughters, 17 and 19. We recently lost a loved one due to symptoms resulting from COVID. And while we've all experienced death a number of times before, this one feels different. I've been trying to open up my feelings with them and be honest in speaking my thoughts, but I'm not sure how to move this without the normal way of grieving. No funeral will be happening, and I'm not sure when or if a memorial will be held. My girls feel for their cousins who lost their dad. We weren't overly close, but spent many holidays together, and they feel for them deeply. Any thoughts would be appreciated. Um, we haven't talked about families that have lost somebody. Uh, and um, first of all, for those of you who have, my, my heart goes out to you because everything we're talking about really is about how to manage a household that is effectively untouched by the virus. For those of you who are going through everything else we're talking about, and in fact, you have lost somebody, or you, you have somebody in your family or somebody you love that you're close to who is suffering from the virus, um, I'm so very sorry, and that's got to add a, a, a dimension of difficulty to this that is virtually um, immeasurable. So for this family that actually lost somebody, even if they weren't very close to them, this is a family member, um, it's a pretty terrifying thing I'm finding. I, I, I'm working with a couple of families who have been in this situation and, um, and it's scary and, um, and it brings it home in a way that is um, hard for them to enumerate and talk about emotionally. Um, but one thing that this writer is so correct about is grief doesn't make a lot of sense here because we are used to certain rites and rituals and passages when we lose somebody. Sometimes we get to visit them, not in this, these situations. Um, we get memorials, we get funerals, we get all these rites, right? Here, um, and in the couple of situations I'm thinking of, somebody's just gone and we will have a service at some other time or a virtual service, which feels really very removed. So closure is so very difficult to come by for so many of these people, so many of these families. Um, so what I encourage you to do, first of all, is certainly to, um, once again, let your kids talk about it, but also create a ritual, create something for that person, um, give to a charity, plant a tree, um, do something that memorializes that person in your lives and certainly spend some time doing what you would normally do in the wake of a loss. Talk about this person, talk about them, talk about the good memories of them. Uh, too often, I think when somebody dies, especially in a tragic way, we spend a lot of time talking about the way they died, right? And here, everybody who's died of COVID, this is going to be like a lead in their obituary, right? And yet they've led lives. They have, um, have stories. And so share those stories and contextualize the loss for yourself and your children. And that's about as much closure as you can bring 
until you can actually create a gathering and get together. Um, and once again, I'm so sorry for for your loss, and um, and I appreciate you being vulnerable enough, vulnerable enough, and open enough to to ask the question. Um, so thank you. Um, okay, if this pandemic had happened when George, my son, was 14 or 15, how would you have helped him through the boredom, allowing video games, late night Zoom calls with friends? This is what we're dealing with every day. Um, it's a fair question. So my son is 10 years older than that. He's 24. Um, and uh, he, he's bored anyway. <laughs> but but um, for those of you with 14-year-olds, I'm working with a lot of 14-year-olds. And as time passes, I am finding that they are succumbing to boredom more and more and more. So I understand your question. There is like gravity our kids are being pulled downward, right? Um, so the kids that I was working with uh, virtually six weeks ago were sitting up like I am right now um, in front of the camera, bright-eyed, uh, really engaged and talking. And now a lot of these kids are like in bed and in a dark room and they're disengaged and they're playing a video game while they're on the call, while they're doing something else, but they're listless and they're bored and they're tired and, um, and I get it, right? I mean, it feels like really, really natural given the circumstances to feel that way. Uh, so first, recognize, yeah, I get that you're really, really bored. Um, and you're allowed some time on screens every day to connect with your friends, to just play some video games and let your mind drift off to some extent. Uh, but I will tell you that there are kids I'm working with who are, for lack of a better word, thriving right now. So what are these kids doing differently? They are doing all these projects. They are uh, cooking dinner for the family and they're kind of engaged in that. Um, they are doing um, work on the house. They're scraping paint, they're building decks, they're outside and they're going for a run. They are, um, social distancing and having trunk parties with their friends, um, but they're thinking of things to do and actively doing something every day. And I'm telling you, man, once a kid gets going, inertia falls into the background and they're making really, really good use of the time. I'm working with a kid who is learning to play the ukulele, um, which is kind of super cool. Um, so, so encourage this in your kids. Get them moving, get them moving, because this is the main thing that's gonna keep them off my couch six months ago. I'm not kidding, you know, all the talking that I'm talking about is great, but movement, nothing beats movement, a little sweat, a little like activity, a little project. So come up with a project that needs to be done around the house, paint the room, scrape the floors, you know what I mean? Redo that closet and get your kids engaged in that. And you're gonna get the eye roll and I don't want to and I'm tired and say, you know, we don't, this is mandatory. We're all gonna do it, we're gonna do it together. Kids will, not only will they pick up the mantle, but I'm finding that they will take it up a notch. Um, I'm working with a kid now who would not mind my sharing this story. He decided to paint his room. Didn't like the color of his room. He wanted it the color of the sky. And he has this weird little closet off of his room. And he decided, you know what? Nobody's ever gonna go in there. I'm gonna draw 
in there on the walls. So he's effectively making something along the lines of graffiti and cave drawings on the wall of his room. The point being, he wasn't doing anything two weeks ago. Now he's engaged and he's moving and he's creating. And so if you can get your kids doing that, and all you need to do is create step one out of the inertia and into the kitchen or into the garage or onto the streets and you've got something going. Do not give up on this point. Now maybe do the hacks and then, okay. that's, right? that's kind of relevant. Right? Yes, so um, I asked people for hacks. Uh, in other words, what's working really well in the midst of this whole thing? Um, and some people are telling me, hey, I've got, my family's not having that hard of a time. We're actually doing all right. And we're not having some of those emotional issues that you're talking about. So I've been asking people, okay, you know, school me on this. What's working? All right, renovate a room in the house together. So I'm working with a number of families who are doing this. I learned this from a family, but I'm working with now a number of families who are actively renovating rooms of their houses and going through the house one by one by one. And what they're finding is, wait, and I think this is one of the hacks too, um, go through old family pics and mm -hmm. tell stories. So undoubtedly, when you start renovating a room of a house, like, right, so you're reno renovating one of your kids' rooms and you fall upon a photo album or you're down in the basement, you come up with a yearbook, right? Tell the stories, pause, you know, you've got time here. You're never gonna have time like this as a family in your home again in all likelihood. So spend that time, tell the stories, you know what I mean? Go through the playbook, your kids will engage. They'll start engaging in large part because they don't have any options, but they'll hang in because the stories are their, their stories and their heritage and their history and they will dig it, they will get into it because trust me, I'm seeing this over and over again. Um, yeah, go through old family pics, tell stories. My kids hung in all night, and these people are not are not making this up. If you can't do anything else, just watch Parks and Rec or something like that together. Um, my family happens to be doing that right now. I think we've all seen it at least once all the way through, and if you've watched that show, it's kind of like delightful and sweet and um, an exercise in kind of kindness and still funny. So it's something like can work for the entire family and still everybody can kind of really enjoy. So um, do that. Uh, somebody wrote that they listened to a podcast I did and they reluctantly watched a couple of movies together that they normally would not have watched. They watched Spotlight. Um, and if you know what Spotlight is, Spotlight is about uh, the Boston Globe reporters who investigated the Catholic Church uh, about 15 years ago, and all the uh, dissonance that they went through, um, and this family also then watched All the President's Men. Um, Julie and I did this not that long ago, if you remember, and um, it, it's fascinating to see how different just reporting is over you know the course of 35 years. It's like crazy to see how much things have changed. Um, Robert Redford would have had a much easier time without even Deep Throat. Uh, if he were working during the current era. So the beautiful thing about that is that you can make judicious use of the pause button, pause, talk to your kids about it. Um, and I had made that podcast with um, Heidi Stevens from the Chicago Tribune. She watched this with her 11-year-old son 
and her son actually was really interested in Spotlight and um, had a lot of questions about it and wasn't traumatized by it. So don't make assumptions that your kids can't handle some difficult subject matter. It might really spark some really cool conversation. Um, let's see, am I missing anything, Julie? Nope, I think. What else? What's well, a, what maybe, else? Good it, oh, another good hack, by the way, is have a dog. Um, oh. So, <laughs> you know, we, we, we have a dog right now. We usually don't have a dog, but um, our son, George's girlfriend, Lauren, who's uh, sheltering in place with us, has this awesome dog, Lucy, who's a mutt, but looks very lavish. So we're not sure. Um, but Lucy wakes us up in the morning, and we are joyful from the beginning of the day. Um, so walk somebody's pet with your family. You know, seriously, and I'm not kidding about that. Um, let's see. Are we missing anything here? No, but if there's anything, we'll we'll carry it over to next time. Yes. So, and any questions we didn't get to, we will carry over to next time. Um, I was asked specifically to answer this question, uh, clearly urgent for somebody. Um, if you had to shelter in place with one character from The Office and one character from Parks and Rec, for those of you who are familiar with these two, who would you choose? Um, did, do you know who you would choose? Um, from the office, I choose Jim. Jim's the guy I'd want to hang with. Oh, for with. sure. Um, there's no doubt about it. You know, like, I, you'd, you'd think you'd want to hang out with Dwight, but on an island, Dwight would get old really, really fast. Not so cute. Um, and Michael, forget it. Not Michael. Um, from Parks and Rec, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm eager to say Pratt, who I can't, Andy. Um, I'm, I want to say Andy, but if I'm being honest, and please don't get upset, Ann Perkins. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that Ann Perkins. So I will hang out on an island with Jim and Ann Perkins. Um, anyway, you guys, thank you so much for, for tuning in. I hope this was helpful for the two of you. Uh, Hannah says she would hang out with Jim and Ron Swanson, which makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, totally. Ron is no nonsense. And you get off the with Ron there, you get off the island. He would get you off the island. He would build a thing silently and you would probably with a little throne on it for you hannah is there and an you, island or is it quarantine <laughs> if you're oh quarantine you're sheltered in place ron would cure the virus quietly <laughs> in the basement with a vice you know and a couple of uh, hand tools um in any event you guys thank you so much um be safe take care of yourselves take care of your families i will see you in a week uh thank you for putting up with the technical difficulties on the front end and hanging in with uh me from julie and myself have a great week.